0: Welcome to Ryan Rants & Raves, a podcast series by the Quebec Government Office in New York. Bienvenue à Ryan Ranson & Raves, une série de podcasts par le gouvernement du Québec à New York. Today, I have the pleasure to have Anissa Gold-Simon. Uh, Anissa is VP of Global Strategies and Business Development at Zozo USA. So welcome, Anissa, and thank you for being here. No, I'm thrilled to be here. (laughs) Anissa, you know, when we first met, we actually realized that you have quite a link with uh, Quebec, and it's well known to you. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, So my first experiences in Quebec were uh, when I was
1: nine. My mother was on sabbatical and she uh, was a professor of French literature. She has since retired um, after a long career in administration, but she took the whole family to Montreal and I was enrolled at a bilingual art school um, near McGill called Face and just loved being in Montreal. I still remember it so fondly and well the bagels. We used to get moule frites at La Moulerie Mm -hmm. and getting, um, there's a little bodega near my house. It was my first sort of big city urban exposure. Mm. I had been in a smaller town in Ohio before that. And so just like the diversity of people in terms of ethnic background and just the diversity of food, all of it was so exciting to me. And so, yeah, I loved Montreal and Quebec ever since and have been back um, quite a few times to visit, mostly just for pleasure. Um, some mm-hmm. business excuses to go, which I always... Uh, right. <laughs>
0: but yes,
1: yeah, so I, it's very,
0: very close to my heart. <laughs> oh, that's great. Wow. And it's a, always nice to have that immersion when you're young and you know you appreciate it later in life so it's wonderful to hear so right now you work um with uh, zozo can you tell us a little bit about the company absolutely so zozo is
1: headquartered out of japan it has been around for 20 years or actually just over Um, We had our 20-year anniversary in uh, two years ago, I believe. So Zozo owns and operates Zozo Town, which is Japan's largest fashion e-commerce destination. So we are really known in Japan um, all over the country. The founder, Yusaku Maizawa, is quite famous, um, both uh, domestically as well as internationally. He is the um, owner of the Basquiat that broke the American artist records just a few years ago, and he is Mm. also um, the first passenger to purchase the seats on SpaceX and the inaugural flight to space with SpaceX. (laughs) How fascinating. um, His extracurricular activities, he's become quite famous. He actually um, left the company uh, and is no longer the CEO. He's still involved as as a key shareholder. Um, and deep friend of the company, of course, um, but this change happened last fall, but he yeah, is very much a part of our DNA. And so the, the company is known for really being very cutting edge. Um, you know, We develop a lot of proprietary technology in-house, been solely online since our launch in the early 2000s, and um, since then have gone public and currently sell over 7,000 brands, international and domestic and primarily sell fashion and accessories to a very large millennial and Gen Z audience in Japan.
0: Okay. You know, also, what do you do exactly with Zozo, actually? Because you're based in the U.S.,
1: Yes, I'm based in the US. Yep, so I have um, been working with the company for over four years now, so I've had a variety of different roles. But most recently, I'm really focused on business development as it pertains to growing new categories for Zozotown. We are expanding more into luxury on Zozotown. We've had Loewe and Stella McCartney join recently. So I'm helping uh, bridge from Japan to overseas in bringing more international brands to Zozo Town and helping make that process as seamless as possible. And I'm also helping in exploring the role that some of our technologies, um, like the Zozo Mat, which you know we can we can talk more about. Um, but the role that those technologies that we've developed in house could have should other brands overseas be interested in uh, partnering. Mm-hmm and maybe collaborating with them
0: yeah and actually when we first uh talked you mentioned something about in terms of technology an app that i thought was pretty interesting so do you want to tell us about it sure thank you
1: yes so the zozo mat is a technology that we launched this march it is a uh basically a a piece of paper that uh, can be sent to a customer's home that they use in conjunction with a an app that we've developed. And basically, those two pieces, um, their phone and this piece of paper, allow them to capture and extremely accurate 3D um, measurement of their foot. And once their foot has been measured, we can actually show them all of the um, different styles and different brands on Zozotown Town that are available in their specific size. So um, it basically takes the guesswork out of wondering what your shoe size is when shopping for footwear online. And we launched this in March um, on Zozo Town and have had great success in terms of customers really finding the tool useful. And so we've just formally um, opened up the invitation in Japan as well as overseas to um, open the door for conversations of possible collaboration or partnership using this tool.
0: Oh, that's great! Because yeah, that's uh, that's to me that's a key element. How often do we have to order pair, two different sizes for the same pair of shoes? And from one brand to another, it might also be different. So how do you figure that out? Then you end up with five boxes of shoes at home that you have to return, anyway. So it's a it's a great Absolutely. tool. Actually, it sounds like something we very much need all yeah. over. <laughs> the, Absolutely, you know, yeah. It's the been shocking.
1: Yeah, it's been shocking to me to learn that you know even within a specific brand, from one style of shoe to the next, Mm -hmm. the sizing may differ. Um, And so I think, and to your point, I think both for what what I love about this technology is that it's great for the retailer or brand because retailers and brands are, are eating a lot of cost on, um, shipments Mm -hmm. shipments for, um, when customers are returning, if they've, to your point, ordered two sizes and then, um, found the one that, that worked for them but are returning the other size and also for customers it's so annoying to have multiple boxes of footwear that you have to yeah. try on at home the and logistic that you know or and especially in a corona you know virus world yes. like right any yeah so i think I, I i'm excited because i feel like it it actually provides a lot of value to everyone involved in the in the exchange there
0: mm-hmm. yes definitely it's a win-win for everyone so um what do you know that you want to share with us about this, um, the Japanese market? Mm, great question. And, you know,
1: I've been traveling to Japan extremely often. Well, until the spring of this year um, <laughs> for the last four years. And I know it well, but I'm definitely not um, even a foremost expert because it is so unique and it is mm. so- so um, different, I believe, than any other market in the world. Um, but in my experience, I would say that Japanese consumers are very interested in technology. They're very um, open to new technologies, new brands, new products, and they're extremely diligent in how much research they do. And, um, and I would also say very patient um, compared to say mm-hmm. American customers. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's perfectly embodied by the cues that you'll see the lines that will form outside of a hip restaurant or, um, you know, some new opening in Japan, people are so patient and calm and quiet as they line up, um, and, and wait, but, you know, are also loyal. I think they are, once they're committed to a brand, a product, they're extremely loyal. And I do feel like they're very, um, you know, they're they're both discerning and also forgiving. I think they have really high quality standards. So I, I've come to understand also that from a manufacturing perspective, the quality control for imports into Japan and apparel are typically much higher than what they might be overseas um, because Japanese customers expect that, you know, the seams and the the details on a product are going to be excellent. Um, okay. So there's mm-hmm. a high expectation and um, but definitely also I think more loyalty. So if you are successful in the Japanese market, I feel like you're very successful because you do mm-hmm. um, have that loyalty and there isn't You know, I think the the sort of, at least in the U.S., I think we can get very fractionalized in terms of customer demand. People like to be unique in their choices. They like to be different. The the emphasis on individuality is so much greater. And in Japan, it's very different. I would say it it feels more like Scandinavia to me in that um, it's not as much about the individual. There's so much sense of being part of the collective that when it comes to consumerism, and can, and how people shop, I feel like there's not as much need to be different, and so people are maybe a bit more comfortable with just shopping at the place that everyone
0: else shops at. Mm-hmm. Um, if they really do love it and feel a connection there, like you said, they're more loyal. They don't need to try everything that comes out or yes, you know be new, exactly. be this, be that, and they're still different. Yeah. That's great because you know for any brand that wants to. Um, export there they definitely need to encounter the uh, the culture the habits of the customers and that's something that everyone needs to be aware of so what would you say um, a brand that's looking into the japanese market what's your best advice at succeeding in that market
1: i would say my best advice is that it's not a market to necessarily just dip your toe in um, unless you're doing so with the backing of an established marketplace or ecosystem. Because I think that there is so much reward to be gathered by really entering the market appropriately and with a strategy and with a, a you know decent investment in terms of resources. But that I think what I've seen and understand is that a lot of brands, I think, have failed when they've tried to enter the market Um, without localizing and without really um, investing in a strategy that is unique to that market and responds uniquely to that market. um, And instead, you know, have just thought, oh, well, because we've been successful overseas, you know, we're going to be successful there too. Therefore, yeah. And there's brands, I mean, you look at like Starbucks, um, I think is sort of, from my mind, such a quintessential success story. Um, But there are a number of um, brands from overseas that I think have done a tremendously successful job. And my sense is that a lot of that has been because they've taken the localization aspect really seriously. Mm -hmm. Okay,
0: yeah. You have to study where you're going before you actually make the step. Mm -hmm. No, that's a... I mean, it, it sounds like it's something you do consider just coming you know from canada to the west coast or the east coast or the south it's not the exact same market so you have in order to position yourself you have to study you know you have to do all that background work definitely to make yep. it successful and be patient and check all the boxes at home before you actually step yes. in which is essential you no know, for sure So, um, you know, if we talk about the fashion industry in Quebec, is there any brand um, that screams to you, oh my, it is so Montreal, you know, fashion street, fashion style. It's very Montreal, I think, or I should say Quebec is very specific. We have just wonderful brands. So is there one that just uh, screams out to you and it's like, oh, that's definitely a brand from Quebec? Well, I guess the one that comes to mind is actually um
1: Matt and Nat and oh, their mm-hmm. accessories and that's um particularly because I purchased a Matt and Nat handbag probably 14 years ago, maybe 13 years ago, um in New York City where I was living at the time and um and I say that also because I bought the bag and was interested in supporting the brand because of their um eco-consciousness. Mm-hmm. and i feel like um to me it just feels very uh, montreal and even maybe more canadian to be more environmentally aware and conscious mm-hmm. which i really um uh resonate with so i feel like um yeah that's a brand that is always sort of um uh, a fond one for me especially cuz i discovered it so so long mm-hmm. ago
0: it's a it's a great brand it's been around for a long time too you know yeah. it's been that's so very simple and very beautiful and uh, definitely eco-conscious, which is a subject that we uh, are hearing a lot about. The fashion industry is uh, talking about that um, very much right now. So, yeah, we need to be a little more aware of what's happening around. <laughs> definitely. You know, the podcast is about uh, rents and raves. So let's uh rant I guess is there <laughs> something that frustrates you right now if I may put it like that sure
1: yeah so um well as I say you know as a mat and Matt is a perfect segue I would say I'm um you know I'm very much an environmentalist and um I am I have the privilege of being, um, you know, sequestered right now at my family's condo in South Lake Tahoe that we've had since before I was born. And and there's smoke totally covering all of the mountains that I look out onto um, from the living room, which I'm looking at right now, coming from, I believe, the Napa fires that have just um, been raging. And, you know, so it's hard for me to not think about a rant and think about um, the fact that we, in some places, feel a need to deny the reality of what we're all living in in terms of human-induced climate catastrophe, and so I feel like, um, yeah, it's uh, if I have a soapbox, that's probably <laughs> that's I, the one. I, that's the one. It's just mm-hmm. that we are, yeah, we're living this reality, and I feel like the sooner that we can all just, um, as painful as it is, because we've all contributed I, I have contributed no mm-hmm. question um we all have and so i feel like the sooner that we can all agree with the reality and just recognize the reality i'm hopeful that we can start making and are making really important changes that will mm-hmm.
0: make decision for the future changes. exactly mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Right. yeah i know and uh, so there must be something you're happy about excited about yeah, I, I mean Yeah, well,
1: I think these times, I mean, I, you know, not to get too um sort of big and dreamy, but I think these times really um provoke us to get to to occupy different to different states of mind. And so for me, when I think about excitement, I can't help but think about just the incredible um change that feels like it's happening right now. And I think there is a lot of worry and anxiety because so much is changing, but I'm also very hopeful that, um, you know, we know that important change can often come out of chaos. And so I mm-hmm. feel like I am excited that, um, you know, I'm excited about the the Black Lives Matter move, matters movement and the environmental awakening and just the, the inevitable change that's happening.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a big deal. We'll see how where everything goes, right? <laughs> but that's that's something great to be excited about. Um, okay, well, you know, it's been a pleasure to have you, Lisa. Thank you so much. You. Merci beaucoup. Merci <laughs> Et à, beaucoup. Bientôt. <laughs> à bientôt. Merci d'avoir écouté Ryan's Rants and Raves. Suivez-nous sur Instagram at Ryan's Rants and Raves. Thank you for listening to Ryan's Rants and Raves. Follow us on Instagram at Ryan's Rants and Raves. A très bientôt.